be happy, may all beings be healthy, may all beings be free from harm, may all beings love life, may all beings awaken. Welcome to another Geek Audio Podcast. I'm D.C. Puba of Geek Audio and Geek Archives, preserving the legacy of Shunju Suzuki, helping doing our bit to preserve the legacy of Shunju Suzuki and those whose paths cross it, and anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So, Today, we have a guest, Chris Miller. Now, uh, Chris was a student of Shinju Suzuki, uh, and um, he's got a book, uh, Searching for the Path Within, from poetry to Zen in the 60s. Uh, And he uses a pen name, Christopher Lennox, L-E-N-N-O. O-X. Uh, if you go to cuke.com and, you know, uh, find Chris Miller uh, by writing his name in the site search box. Hey, if you, if you write something in the site search box and it doesn't work, I mean, it, it won't give you any response, then just... Um, Go to another one of the main pages and do the same thing. Um, Or you can hit them. It says right above it, it says search. Uh, That's also a link. And it'll go to another place. There's sort of a weird kink in it. It's a Google search that's embedded in there. Uh, Anyway, and you can also find people there just by hitting the people drop-down menu and going to names and then uh, searching on that page for the name. Or you can go by alphabetical order. There's over 500 names there. I just go Control-F on a PC, Command-F on a Mac, and write like with Chris. I'd write Chris or I'd write Miller. All right. Uh, so uh, the... the uh, there's about, uh, well, he calls it 18 pages on his um, experience in Zen Center. Uh, it's pretty neat. Uh, and uh, he talks about it in the podcast. Uh, but we have it um, immortalized on Cuke.com. So searching for the path within from poetry to Zen in the 60s. And... Um, Chris uh, taught um, composition at uh, a small Catholic college, Mary's College in uh, Morega. He taught composition there for 20 years. So um, anyway, let's just uh, give him a call. He has some pretty interesting things to say. 
And um, we'll do that right after our pause to meditate. So when you hear the bell, if you have set your mind, hit pause. Meditate or whatever for as long as you like. And when you're ready to come back, hit unpause. And we'll be here to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And uh, we'll give Chris Miller a call. Hey, well, there you are. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I've been uh, reading over uh, stuff I've written about Kasahara just to be ready for this uh, podcast. Uh, I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I'll let you do the steering. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, you know, I... I always start by asking people how they're doing, then what, you know, like, what are you doing? Where are you living? What's happening? I live in El Cerrito uh, in the East Bay, right next to Berkeley. Uh, and I'm writing about a trip to Nepal in 1988 uh, to receive teachings from Tibetan masters uh, and, uh, it, I, I kept a journal at the time when I went. It was mm -hmm. only about a week or so for the, the trip. Uh, and it was a, a guided uh, tour with, uh, in a sense, a Dharma tour uh, led by Sodhya Rinpoche. And oh. To go to see, to see all these different teachers like Gilgo Kensei Rinpoche, Morgan mm. Topgal Rinpoche. And uh, it was almost like a different... Uh, teacher every day, and uh, it's pretty intense. But uh, another thing is that you know it's a different culture. I had never been to Asia before, mm. and uh, uh, in Nepal uh, there was then, and I'm sure still is a lot of poverty. Uh, so it was, you know. Uh, it was an interesting uh, uh, cultural adjust adjustment, too, because you've got the Tibetan exiles living in Nepali uh, uh, country, yeah. and uh, there was even some tension between the Tibetans and the Nepalis. So, but uh, that was that was those were sidelights. Uh, yeah. Uh, you picked up tension between them in a week, or you read about it, or what? Uh, I stayed at a, uh, a small guest house run by a Tibetan family, and uh, uh, they told me about uh, some of those tensions. Yeah, uh, mm. You know, 
probably happens in a lot of places, uh, immigrants coming in. You know? Yeah. Uh, and they're a different religion, even though it's uh, historically connected. But the, the Nepalis are Hindu, and the Tibetans are Buddhist. Mm. Uh, and they and they have they have their Tibetan Buddhist shrines there in Nepal, and there are the Hindu temples and shrines also. But you know it's it's in the Indian cultural tradition of of uh, you know lots of different uh, 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 types of religious practices going on in the right. same country. But uh, I'm not sure what what was uh, really causing it, except that uh, um, I learned uh, uh, from the innkeeper that there had been some fights going on uh, just between young Tibetans and young Nepalis, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. Not, not, not on the governmental level, just... Uh, um, uh, you know the kind of things that would that happened in the United States as well. Yeah, it happened all over Asia. Uh, Nepalese in Bhutan have been uh, treated very poorly and moved out as much as possible. And you know, then you have your Muslims in Thailand, especially Myanmar. Uh, your yeah. um, you're, you're a Tamil in Sri Lanka. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just tribalism, I guess. Um, yeah, right. Mm. But that was that was not the main thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I had to get used to uh, uh, uh Stepping out the door, walking down the street, and having uh, uh, various uh, people asking me for money every few steps. Yeah, what did you do about um, it? Yeah. I, I gave things to I gave money to them, basically, but kind of just put a cap on how much I would uh, spring for. Uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, uh, I can't even remember what a rupee was worth at that time, but uh, what year was uh, that? This was 1988. Wow, that's the year uh, I went to uh, live in Japan, huh? Well, when that's I was when you there, went to Japan, huh? Ah, yeah. That's when you went to Japan that you wrote about and thank you and okay. Yes, thank you for the plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, in uh, 2003, I went to India for the first time, and the rupee was worth about two and a half cents. And I just carried yeah. a pocket full of them. Uh, mainly the beggars were around where tourists or foreigners were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, like in Dharamsala, uh, there, you know, there were beggars that were in particular places and I'd go by them, I'd get every one of them a rupee every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just on the way by once. Just one a day. Um, yeah. And then when I was back in 2011 in the south of India, there was not near as much of that, but there were these sannyasin 
and uh, rupee was not good enough for them. So I started giving food. Yeah, uh, but I, that's what I did too. In fact, people uh, would ask me for food. You know, uh, will you buy me, you know, some apples or whatever? Oh, that's uh, really sincere then, because I'd have yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd have uh, sannyasin say. Uh, I remember one guy said. Paise, that that's the word he used for money. I can't remember only. Uh, he just said money only, you know. Money only, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I had some, some interesting interactions, like uh, um, uh, when you say sunyasan, you mean like... Uh, 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 Spiritual, yeah, spiritual you know, like, uh, yeah. um, um, I, I think that's the, uh, the right word, um, like sadhus, uh, you know, um, sadhus, yeah, that's what uh, I thought, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, men, uh, when they, uh, usually a retirement age, they just take on the, there's, there's no requirements for it, you know, they just start wearing the, I think they were wearing like yellow type uh, robes, and they carry like a bowl, and they, they, they're sort of a, 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 a kit that they carry. And yeah. oh, in front of the Ramana ashram, there would be about about fifteen of them, and so I'd yeah, make the right. the. I, I was staying near the Ramana ashram. I'd get like ten. Samosas, and just uh-huh. give them to the, yeah. you know, I'd try just to walk by 10 of them and get in the gate, and then I didn't have to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I ran into some younger guys uh, dressed like yogis, uh, and uh, actually just a couple during the whole week, but uh, uh, one of them told me he was, uh, you know, he's hiking through the Himalayas and uh, uh, meditating and so forth. And uh, uh, would I buy him a shawl? So I did. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I met a, a really nice, in fact, I traveled with him a little, uh, a guy who, he was younger. He'd taken the spiritual path. He didn't dress like the others. I, I think he was more uh, independent, but he told me he'd traveled all over India for free on vehicles, too, uh, you know, trains uh-huh. and buses. Uh, and um, uh, I didn't have to support him. I'm, I'm not sure quite, you know, I'm, I'm, I never know how, how everybody gets by. Um, you know, in some places there would be women. Uh uh, not the sannyasin, there'd be women sitting in front of temples uh, begging. Or, yeah. It, it yeah. wasn't, it, it's sort of like their role, you know. It, it wasn't out of place or anything or anything bad. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this was, uh, 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 I was staying near the, the stupa at Bodhanath, uh, you know, the, the big one with the Buddha eyes uh, looking down at you. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, 
and there's like a, a circular, uh, you know, path that goes around it. Uh, people are circumnambulating. There, there are prayer wheels built into the side of the stupa so people can go around and oh yeah the prayer wheels as they go around and um, uh, and then there's all shops uh, selling all kinds of uh, stuff but including stuff for tourists mainly because it's a big uh, tourist attraction <clears throat> and my hotel was a, a few blocks uh, down the road from there I remember it being very dusty and, uh, you know, a lot of the roads were unpaved uh, uh, and a real uh, just uh, jumble of ramshackle housing here and there, you know. Uh, I went back in um, 2014 and uh, Kathmandu had grown incredibly, uh, even more crowded even mm. more uh, motorcycles buzzing around. That's uh, because they're cheaper. That's more, uh, especially young guys, buy motorcycles if they can't afford a car. Yeah, that's all over Asia. And, uh, so you went from yeah. you went from 1988 to 2017, and 2014. 2014. So yeah, there being a nor it's everywhere. It's just like, um, yeah. It's just like unrecognizable. Both places become unrecognizable. Uh, that's true in I Bali. Know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it. it uh, uh, yeah, unrecognizable is the thing, and and because to some extent, uh, uh, new buildings had gone up. Yeah. You know, new buildings, new vehicles. Uh, but still looking uh, tremendously uh, uh, disorganized by Western standards, you know, not not laid out in any kind of grid, just, you know, all wandering alleyways and <laughs> right. that way, like a big, like a big maze. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, well, maybe, a, you know, like a, a few main roads that you can, tell where you're going but if you get off into these side streets it's really uh, uh, it's interesting I mean you can buy Buddha statues you can buy uh, beautiful carpets uh, uh, you know I'm not talking about uh, ones to cover a whole room but I because uh, I had to carry him back but I I got a real nice uh, long narrow dragon rug with a, you know, kind of a writhing dragon going down the rug. Mm, uh, neat. You know, about, about uh, eight feet long or so. Uh, I still got it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I also got a uh, Nepali drum. Uh, you should see me coming back through customs with all this stuff. You know, and my ears were uh, this is in San Francisco coming, you know, returning customs. My ears were all uh, imploded or whatever 
because my sinuses were stuffed up. I had had a cold, and, uh, you know, it, it was really, uh, it was kind of painful, a pressure, and uh, and it was like being underwater. And I came through customs, and I've got all this uh, stuff, not just the stuff I brought, but all the stuff that I am bringing back. And, uh, and then uh, uh, the customs looks at my passport and, I had been to uh, uh, Thailand, where I had I had to stop there to change planes. Thailand and Nepal, and uh, he said some. He, he said, uh, "Where have you been?" And I, I said, "What?" <laughs> because I couldn't hear clearly. <laughs> and he said, go, "Go over to that door over there," uh, and. Uh, we'll have an agent search your baggage. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I, I guess I fit the profile of uh, an American uh, hippie drug smuggler or something. Uh, mm, you're pretty wholesome looking. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, they have to search a certain number of people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. Uh, so this is so. This you're working on on this now. Yeah, I kept the journal, and uh, I thought you know after finishing uh, that, my uh, memoir, uh, which is about you know how I came to Zen Center in Tassajara, then. Uh, I thought this is like uh, 20 years later. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to write something more about Dharma and the path and where I've been and so forth. And uh, and I kept a journal. I had kept a journal writing down things every day while I was there. So... Uh, that was a great help. Uh, I just used that as my template or whatever. And, mm. and, uh, and the main thing was, you know, how to transform it so it would flow more. I mean, I could have kept it just as a journal, but it, it, uh, there were, th- I don't know, I wanted to give it more of a narrative uh, Good and and, co- and and comment on how I saw it now, or you know, yeah, not just yeah. So uh, 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 that was interesting, uh, you know. Um, well, just uh, finished it uh, last month, or you know, I'll probably revise it again, but I, I finished it for now. Yeah, I'm now letting it sit for a while. Yeah, what's your plans with it? Uh, well, I'd like to try to get it published, uh, but I haven't figured out who might be interested in it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, typewritten, double-spaced, uh, 46 pages, so it's a little short it's not, for a book. It's not, uh, it's not digital? Oh, no, it's digital, but, uh, you know, printed out 46 pages. Uh, Double space? Uh, 
double space, 12 points. Yeah. So it's really short. Short for a book, yeah. Um, but That's good. I, I, what I'm doing, I'm thinking of trying to get that published in a magazine of some sort. Uh, in the meantime, adding other pieces, shorter pieces, uh, to make uh, uh, maybe a hundred pages. Uh huh. I'm working on those. I'm working on those pages too. Uh-huh. Those pieces. Um, uh, that's great. So I don't know what, how long it needs to be for a book, but uh, I'll see if I can make it. Well, you, um, you know, every book has its own length, uh, and uh, but forty-three pages double spaced. I mean, that sounds like a thirty-page book. Uh, which, Forty, Forty-six pages. Yeah, but you said double spaced. Oh yeah, oh yeah, right. That's a good point. I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Uh, so you you could have a choice of of having a uh, a book that that had various pieces in it, including your your journal. Uh, uh, seems to me your journal from Nepal. You could try that. Hey, uh, and um, I'll be happy to put any of it on com that you want to share. Oh, really? You're not limited to uh, uh, Zen Center Tassahara? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, well, that's something I'll see what I can... How, how long would you be... How long... It, an excerpt would you be interested in? Excerpt? I'll do the whole thing. I'll do everything. It the the, the oh, internet wow. has no size. No. It, it has no size, and cuke dot com and yeah. shinyusuzuki dot com have no size. Um, so, what what whatever you wanted to send, I'd put up. You know, you could write about your childhood. I don't care because. <laughs> Uh, it's all part of a bigger picture. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm. I, uh, you know, I found in my memoir uh, that turned out to be 300 pages, the whole book. And uh, wow. Yeah, because I found out that to explain why I ended up at Tassahara, I had to explain a whole lot about, or, you know, tell a story of a lot of my life. Well, then why are you thinking about just 46 pages? Oh, that's just uh, this uh, particular segment. This is a separate thing from that. Uh, Oh, oh. That's that's the memoir I already did, and I self-published that one. That was the one I was working on when... uh, uh, we talked before, exchanged emails, and I sent you uh, some pages. Oh, I do uh, have it. I forgot all about that. Uh, yeah. Th- that, those uh, pages I sent you are, are the part focused on Zen, but uh, it was uh, the whole thing 
was 300 pages, and I had poetry in there and all kinds of things. So that I have that uh, on Cuke.com. I, I forgot about it. Excerpts from the, Searching the for the part. Path yeah, Within, yeah, yeah, from right. Poetry to Zen in... The 60s. Oh, the 60s. Yeah, right. I didn't realize. 18 pages. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Chris, I just, uh, you know, I'm doing stuff every day, so I can't... I, and also, with my... Um, Enhanced senior citizen uh, memory. Uh, I tend not to remember anything, as a matter of fact. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. That's that. That's why having this journal was such a, a great help. You know. Yeah. Uh, for the Kathmandu story. Uh, oh, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. All right. Uh, well, yeah. Anything you want. Also. You can, this isn't much help, but if you can't find a publisher, you can do what David Schneider did. Um, uh, I have a press, uh, Cuke Press, and I let David publish a Cuke Press book, but it's Cuke Press-DE. DE is Germany. So he did all oh. the work, you know, I told him what to do, and then he he figured out other stuff. Uh, you know, he got, I think he got an editor, he got art people. Um, I do everything that, well, I no, I, I'm not going to get into what I've done. That's not quite true. Um, I've had a lot of help with that. But I've done five books, six books on Cute, on uh, Cute Press. And if you wanted to do that, you can't find anything else. You can make, uh, you can make a print on demand book and have it be part of Cute Press, but still be entirely yours. You know, I wouldn't. Well, that, yeah, uh, that sounds better than what I did this, uh, with the, uh, searching for the path within, which was I, uh, self-published it on uh, uh, Amazon's uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. Yeah, that's what I uh, do. Yeah, and uh, 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 it's it's really uh, uh, was under my control in the sense of like how much I wanted to charge for it how much royalties they have certain guidelines that you have to stay within yeah but uh uh you know i just said independently published uh, on the title page so uh it's it's still uh up there last time i checked uh, um yeah it'll be there nobody's you know. going to take it down yeah yeah so so uh Okay, but it would be nice to uh, have uh, uh, something that uh, is from uh, uh, a Dharma press, in effect, Coop Press. Yeah. You know, uh, I really don't do any promotions. As a matter of fact, I just realized I had a Facebook page for it, and I've forgotten all about it. This is neat. You're doing all this. That's great. Well, uh, why don't we uh, go back? 
and see what we can cull from you, uh, what we can pull from you. Uh, what's your first um, memory of any uh, uh, spiritual inkling or wondering what everything's all about or that sort of thing? Ah, that's an interesting question. What pops into my mind is uh, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I was brought up in a Protestant uh, congregational church, Christian church. Where? I I remember having, uh, you know, I would say my prayers, and I remember having uh, a kind of, uh, visualization of Jesus that appeared to me uh, once. I mean, I won't call it a vision. It wasn't that, uh, you know, uh, astounding, but it was just like I could see in there. Uh, and uh, uh, so I felt like I could talk to him and so forth. Uh, and uh, um so that was uh that's what I first <clears throat> remember in addition to saying my prayers every night. Uh, How old were you? I don't know. I think I might have been I know I was under 10. Uh I might have been uh even Five, six, seven, eight, or nine—I don't know. Ah, Somewhere in there. Yeah. Where, where, where were, where were you living? Uh, This was in Natick, Massachusetts. Uh, Mm. It's kind of uh, an hour west of Boston, Mm. uh, near Framingham. I don't know if you've ever been to that area. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'd pass through it or something. Um, so, um, well, um, what happened next? Well, then we moved to uh, Melrose. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, we moved to Melrose, closer to Boston, and started going to the Unitarian Church, which was... Uh, uh, which was different uh, in uh, in the congregational church uh, in Sunday school. We were memorizing the books of the Bible, you know, literally by rote, you know, <laughs> so we could recite the whole list of the books of the Bible. Uh, huh. In the Unitarian Sunday school, we were reading about uh, creation myths from different cultures. That's great. And then finger painting. Oh, that's <laughs> terrific. So, <laughs> so I uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, it, it, I suddenly realized that religion could be something interesting <laughs> and, uh, and that there were different kinds of religions, you know, and, uh, and they weren't all just memorizing the books of the Bible. And I, I'm, that's not fair to congregationalism to say that that's all it is. <laughs> but, you know, just as a kid, that was what 
this particular Sunday school teacher was uh, having us do. Um, so uh, the uh, uh, that was part of an opening up more to uh, uh, many possibilities, and then we moved to uh, uh, northern New Jersey uh, within the orbit of the Big Apple there, and uh, I started getting into jazz and beatniks and going into uh, Manhattan uh, now and then in my senior year of high school. And, mm. uh, and then... Uh, what year were you born? What, what year was I born? 1943. Did you say 40... 40 what? Three. Three. 43. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I thought you were younger. You you have you have a very youthful look, um, huh? All right. Well, the 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 picture the picture I send you is is from uh, two thousand and five. So I know <laughs> that's a little bit. Uh, I, I know that's true. <laughs> I, but I you always. <laughs> I, I I'm aware of that. But you in in prior years, I don't know what's happened to you now. You you might be bent and old and haggard. <laughs> But uh, in the past, Not quite, but. <laughs> you, you, you were you were, you had a youthful look when you were younger. Uh, and uh, all right. So uh, you're going in. So this is probably about uh, early 60s. Senior year in high oh, yeah. school, 61. You're going I, in. No, I graduated. I graduated from high school in 1961. Yeah. And uh then I took a year off from college in 63, 64 and lived in what is now the East Village. It was then just part of the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. But uh uh this is in the uh the memoir I've already published and li- lived on a near Tompkins Square Park. You know where that is? It's no. It's no. Yeah. Uh well my, there's my uh, wife will know. There's there is the what's usually called the village is the West Village and this is uh just uh about the same uh level uh in New York if you're looking up and down but on the east side where they have uh, avenues A, B and C. And uh, it's now called Alphabet City because of that, and also <laughs> the East Village, and uh, and <clears throat> so I lived on a six-floor walk-up where uh, uh, each, you know, it's like four tiny bedrooms. I was sharing it with another guy, and each bedroom and the kitchen had a mouse hole already nod through the uh, molding, you know. And so the first <laughs> thing I did was the first thing I did was rolled up newspapers and stuffed them into the holes in each. The uh the bathtub was on stilts in the kitchen. I don't know if you've ever seen that arrangement. The toilet was in a closet. Uh and it, it was uh uh 
it was great. You know, I I ate a bowl of oatmeal every morning for breakfast, and then in the evening I'd walk down to the. Uh, there were a lot of uh, Latino uh, immigrants, uh, uh, Puerto Rican, a lot, uh, a couple blocks away, and they had great uh, food, uh, huh. inexpensive, in, in the restaurants, and so I'd eat there and uh, go to. Uh, uh, I would, would go to uh, the Five Spot Bar. I don't know if you've ever been interested in jazz, but this bar uh, had people like uh, Thelonious Monk, Sonny Rollins, uh, Ornette Coleman. Oh, that's Ollie, wonderful. Yes, I'm uh, interested. Yeah, all the all the uh, latest uh, interesting jazz was being played. Uh, maybe a twenty minute walk for me away. Oh, that is and, terrific! Uh, yeah, and uh, you could get you could sit at the bar and get one tall glass of beer. I guess it was a pint or something for like a dollar eighty, and there was no other admission or cover charge so uh, I could sit through two sets sipping my my beer and and that's all it costs so I was going there quite a bit wow that's great yeah that's great ah mm. so uh, was there um that wasn't exactly officially spiritual, but but jazz played a part. I, I would say, in my sense of uh, uh, living in the present moment, you know, that's yeah. a real, uh, jazz musicians really have to cultivate that and be ready to be creative in, in the moment. Whatever comes up, you work with it. You yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you make a mistake, if you make if you play the wrong note, you incorporate that into the solo, you know. Yeah. You find a way to work with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Hmm. So, so I connect that uh, sort of indirectly with uh, uh, sort of the theme of this thing I'm working on now is uh, uh, the teaching of Suzuki Roshi's on uh, one continuous mistake or one mistake after the other. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, that's kind of what happened while I was in Nepal was I made one mistake after the other. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was educational, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I got interested in that uh, sort of applying that and uh, and found found that I have other material, especially when traveling you can you can find yourself making one mistake after another yeah uh, yeah, but uh the tentative title uh I have two uh possibilities I'm not sure which. I'm going to use, but one is uh, <clears throat> losing your shoes in Kathmandu, 
<laughs> working with mis- working with mishaps on the spiritual path or losing your shoes in Kathmandu travels and travails on the spiritual path. Huh. Which one do you like better? The second one. The second but, one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think because also the second one is better because it brings in the traveling theme. Yeah. And the other pieces that I'm going to put with it, uh, I want to make about traveling, too. Yeah. Uh, I, su- I have a suggestion. Way, yeah. I suggest you consider calling it Losing My Shoes. That's what it originally was. Uh, someone suggested to make it Losing Your Shoes to be more connecting with the reader, but uh, uh, I could go either way. It could be you either way. Losing My Shoes is, yeah, you like using, Losing My Shoes? Yeah, because it's about you, and yeah, and uh, generally, uh, uh, maybe it's because I am prejudiced against the type of speaking or writing where the where the second person is used to stand for the first person. Uh huh. Which is what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, well, what was it like when? I was in Nepal. Well, you're standing on the street. That's very common. Uh, and yeah, it, yeah, I always right. sort of uh, jerk around at that and go, no, it's not me, it's you. But um, right, it is right. a style. Yeah. But, but it, yeah. anyway, so that's my... But it's, that's not a... Yeah, I don't use that style in the rest of the book. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, that's what it originally was. I had... Losing my shoes in Kathmandu. Well, first thought, you best know, thought. Yeah, uh, and uh, that refers to just one incident that happened. Where before I went to Kathmandu, I asked a friend, you know, uh, do you have any suggestions of of something I should get to prepare myself uh, to going to Nepal? And he said some good shoes, so I went and bought this. The, you know the best pair of shoes I've ever gotten, like uh, brand new Reebok running shoes. Oh, yeah, uh, white Reebok running shoes, and and uh, I thought these. You know, I'm if I want to trek up the hill, I've, these, these are what I uh, I need. So I arrived there in Nepal wearing my uh, bright white Reeboks and uh, uh, go to the uh, the temple of Dilgo Kensei Rinpoche's uh, monastery there. And, uh, you know, there's like a hundred people <clears throat> going in and they all leave their shoes outside the door. Right. So there's like outside the door, there's a sea of shoes. Yeah. And my uh, bright white Reeboks uh, kind of stood out uh, among the sea of shoes. Uh, but the first uh, time I went, it was cool. Uh, they were still there when I came back out. Uh, but the second time I went, 
when I came back out, my shoes were gone. Whoa. And uh, so uh, a friend uh, offered to let me use a pair of his sandals uh, <laughs> until I could buy some more shoes. But even to get the sandals, <clears throat> I had to uh, walk shoeless across a pasture with uh, uh, bits of broken glass and animal feces and so forth. Oh, my God. But, uh, well, I, you know, that was no big deal, but it just... Oh. Uh, then, then I went to buy some shoes, and the place where you buy the shoes, I, I forgot what the street was called, New Road, I think it was called, uh, had just all shoe shops, each shoe shop, a tiny shoe shop, <clears throat> and each shop just had uh, a couple of different shoes in it. You know, it's not like you go in there and they have this type of shoe in all different sizes. It's like they have for a size 10, they have this one pair of shoes <laughs> for a size 13, they have this other type of shoe. So it's like that. And uh, But I managed to, going from shop to shop, I found uh, a pair of gray Italian sneakers uh, that they had a Jaguar on them, but they were very inconspicuous. <laughs> you mm -hmm. wouldn't notice them <laughs> from a distance. So that, those are the ones, I think that they cost me $15 or something. Wow. Uh, and so those are the ones that I got and wore for the rest of the trip. But um, that, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when uh, in India, where anything can get stolen anytime, um, if I, I'm in my sandals, um, I have a plant, I have a tendency to get plantar fasciitis. Or maybe I've got it and it has a tendency to act up. So I have expensive sandals that have uh, art supports and, uh, I need them so it doesn't act up. And if, when I went yeah. to a, a temple, uh, some of them have a cage where you can check things. Uh, but, um, if they didn't, which most of them don't, um, there, there would be women up front selling things or bankers or whatever, and I would give them money. And I would say, uh, this is to take care, guard my, uh, sandals. And I said, and when I come back, I will give you more. And, uh, that really worked. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. It's, this, uh, these, uh, uh, I mean, did not exist at the temple where I went. Uh, 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 the shoes, and if you had anything, anything that looked uh, really good, it was gone. Yeah, I was at the so, Brahmana Ashram, uh, and and they had a cage, and I would put my sandals in the cage every time I went in, which was twice a day. Yeah, and yeah, I, I was hanging out with a young Canadian backpacker who put his very good sandals out. He didn't use the cage. He just left them out there. And when we came back out, they were gone. 
Yeah. Inside, that's inside the ashram. I guess. Yeah, and this was inside the uh, uh, monastery walls. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a temple building, and these shoes were all outside the temple building, but the gates, of course, to go come into the monastery were open, and so anybody uh, could come in. Well, yeah. my sympathies, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it, uh, it, I, I'm, you know, I sort of, uh, in in my story, I use this as a, as a sort of it's a kind of initiation into uh, uh, being ready to let go of uh, whatever it is. Right, well, uh, true, and. And uh, so then there's a series of things that happen after that. Uh, even another one involving uh, my replacement shoes, which I, I don't know if uh, I want to <laughs> tell that whole story now, but uh, uh, it gives a theme to the to the story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, so of letting. Letting go and also uh, getting uh, a kind of a crush on this uh, young Japanese woman I met there, but needing to let go of her, uh, mm. and so forth, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, now, you were uh, in Greenwich Village listening to this great jazz. I was very... Uh, uh, jealous of you. That is fantastic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, I follow jazz here uh, in Bali, um, somewhat, somewhat. Do you uh, do you know about the uh, uh, San Francisco SF Jazz uh, uh, new building they put up several years ago? No. Beautiful, beautiful venue. And uh, it's it's what the, the San Francisco Jazz Festival uh, decided to become a uh, a new organization called SF Jazz, which is uh, not only it's near Symphony Hall. It's not only uh, a club with several different stages, but it's it's like put Yoshi's out of business. Is that uh, right? You mean Yoshi's oh, yeah. San Francisco Club? Yeah, Yoshi's uh, Oakland is still there, but it's mainly uh, playing uh, 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 more popular type music. Than, oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Well, Once in a while they'll have jazz, but SF Jazz is now the, uh, you know, the uh, main jazz venue in San Francisco. Really? And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's like S, F, J, all run together. No periods, just no spaces, just S, F, jazz. Oh, that's neat. Uh, and if you Google that, uh, the, the great thing is, they have various kinds of memberships, and you can get a 
virtual membership where you can watch their Friday night, 7.30 p.m. show, uh, you know, with a different group uh, playing every week. Uh, and it's like an hour and a half show. And it's the membership is like $5 for that uh, show. Uh, and for a year... Of that every Friday night, it's just fifty dollars. So, oh, uh, uh, it's great. I mean, uh, especially uh, uh, with COVID and everything, uh, 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 this is a way to. They kept having shows uh, or pl- or playing past ones, but anyway, now they're they have it's in person again. But you might just want to check it out. Uh, uh, because uh, and they have uh, groups from all over the world. Like they have, uh, uh, they just had this uh, group from Ukraine called Daka Braka, which was kind of uh, pretty wild. Uh, I've heard of them. Yeah, you've heard I, them. I think. Yeah. I think uh, maybe my my wife plays music. Mainly, I I, I hear stuff that uh, she plays. If she plays something. Uh, and that sounds awfully familiar. And, and when you said they're pretty wild, that rang a bell too. Ah, yeah. I used to and be then, a then, member of yeah. K Jazz in San Francisco. Well, this is uh, this is the thing thing now that sort of the uh, thing to be a member of for jazz in San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, and have you have you heard of Amadou and Miriam, a, a blind couple from Mali? Oh, uh, 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 they're wonderful. It, you know, I don't know if you call it jazz or African blues or what. Uh-huh. But they with vocals and and guitar, and they they usually. On a concert, they play with a band behind them, uh, and you know it's like call and response, where uh, he sings a line, she sings a line, he sings a line, she sings a line, and meanwhile he's going all over the place with a guitar, but rhythmically, you know, uh, it's like uh, uh, not like the ordinary jazz solo where. You know, it's kind of exploring different harmonies and things. This is uh, uh, very, the solos are very rhythmic, using the guitar, you know, not strumming it, but individual strings in a very, in very complex rhythmical patterns, you know, mm. uh, that uh, uh, just go with the... Uh, uh, African music, like uh, with the drums going, and uh, that's also uh, kind of wild. Anyway, they're they're on uh, uh, Friday night this week at seven thirty, and if you you know you can you can log on and just pay five dollars to watch the one thing. I think. Huh. Uh, huh. All right. It's neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, 
I actually listen to very little. I don't keep up with anything, really. I just try to keep up with the work I do and and walk. Oh, yeah. I'm, and, and, I'm not uh, keeping up either. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to go back. You were in Greenwich Village. And from yeah. from from uh, that wonderful experience there, sixty uh, one. What's between there, and how did you get to the Zen Center? Okay, that was sixty three, uh, um, sixty three, sixty four, and then uh, um, I remember because that's when uh, Kennedy was killed. And uh, then I went to Mexico in the summer of 64 and hitchhiked around Mexico. So that was another big adventure. Uh, and, you know, I was interested in pre-Columbian ruins. And uh, I had taken an anthropology course in college. So I was fascinated by how... Uh, this uh, pre-Columbian Aztec culture in particular could have the human sacrifices that they did. And, you know, it just, uh, um, you know, just started me thinking about uh, cultural relativism, but also uh I, you know, I don't think it made it right that it was culturally a different culture and a different time, but that there was human sacrifice was going on in Europe as well. Uh, mm. So uh, it's uh, uh, and there was kind of uh, uh, you know I got interested in the anthropology of religion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, neat. And, uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, and, uh, you know, I had dropped in at uh, uh, some uh, yoga places and... and uh, Where? Uh, uh, in uh, Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, uh and, uh, uh, you know, I was definitely interested, but it just seemed a little too, uh, uh, for me, too much about going into a trance or something, you know. Uh, um, but this was also uh, a time when... Uh, um, myself and everybody I knew was starting to smoke pot and try some other drugs. And I was listening to Alan Watts on the on the radio. Uh, mm. He had a uh, I don't know what it was, but he, he whether it was a series or just once it was I think it was NPR, and it might have been. Uh, in New York that I heard him also. Uh, so I got it. That's what got me interested in Zen. Uh, and I, I got his book, The Way of Zen. And uh, it seemed to me to 
uh, fed with what I was experiencing. Uh, oh, and Leary was, uh, Alpert and Leary were uh, starting to, uh, you know, become known and so so forth. So mm-hmm. the whole thing of 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 uh, altering one's consciousness to be in a better place uh, was uh, very uh, much in the air at that time. And so when I came to uh, California, it wasn't because of Zen Center. I'd never heard of it. Uh, it was because of... Uh, uh, Kerouac and Ginsburg, and uh, you know, I read On the Road, and I I was into, and I started hitchhiking, <laughs> and then I read uh, the Dharma Bombs, mm. and there uh, you have Kerouac, Ginsburg, and Gary Snyder, and they're uh, in Berkeley. And you know, around San Francisco, so uh, I decided to go to uh, San Francisco State uh, and get an MA in English. Uh, they had a uh, an MA that where you could emphasize creative writing. At that time, it was. It was had you gone to any college? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had finished college. That Where? Where'd you go? I went to Harvard. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I usually don't mention that right off because people have so many preconceptions about it. Well, you know, there were so uh, many people at Zen Center from Harvard. I mean, guys. Uh, yeah. And I mean, did you get favorable treatment from Richard Baker because of that? He didn't know that. Oh my God! You blew it. Because he was he was uh, you know an earlier generation. But I met uh, John Steiner, who was yeah. in my class. But oh. I I never I didn't know him at Harvard. But uh, I met him at uh, at Zen Center. Wow. Uh, but but that's also that's when Alpert and Leary were getting fired for uh, giving uh, acid to undergraduates. And I was one of the undergraduates that went to a talk they gave, hoping to get some, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. But, uh, but by that time, uh, they, they had stopped uh, 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 sharing with undergraduates because they were... They were, they got fired a few months later. <laughs> yeah, and they were already they were already uh, in trouble uh, uh, with the university. Well, uh, uh, did you get some somewhere yeah. else? Uh, no, no, I didn't get uh, acid till I got out to San Francisco. Oh, hmm. and at uh, in Cambridge, I just uh, smoked pot and. Uh, uh, Tried morning glory seeds. Which yeah, out to be. Yeah, how uh, was that? To, it it uh, it was fine until it made me sick. 
Yeah. And then, uh, uh, and then it was really ugly. Oh. You know, because it affected me not only it was not only the nausea, but that affected my whole uh, mental state. Yeah. Uh, but there was a, there was a lesson in it. I, I, uh, uh, you know, just the whole world had turned. Uh, 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 you know, just uh, dead, and uh, and I felt sick, and uh, I real I remembered what uh, I had read in the uh, uh, some psychedelic handbook uh, written by Leary and somebody else. Uh, oh, uh, are you talking about the psychedelic they, experience? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, that's he was Leary Albert and Metzner. Yeah, that's the one. And so that's another thing about I was realizing that Buddhism could, you know, was something interesting because they were using uh, uh, lines from the Tibetan Book of the Dead in that. Uh, and I remember something about, uh, you know, just, basically let go and go with the flow and that kind of thing. And uh, so I did that, and the result was that I threw up, and then I felt great and and uh, uh, had a, a good trip, you know. So, mm. But I never did it again. Oh. Uh, and that's even with boiling the seeds ahead of the time, which uh, you were supposed to do. So, uh-huh. uh, anyway, that, I, you know, I, I didn't want to mess with any more of these uh, uh, things that were likely to make you sick, you know. So, in San Francisco, you have a, big, a bigger choice of uh, <laughs> what you wanted to take. Uh, but anyway, I didn't get that deeply into the drug scene because I... Uh, I arrived in San Francisco in the fall of 66 and uh, I uh, wound up at Zen Center in in like uh, February of 67 so I was only there about uh, four months in which I was interested in drugs, and after that, I was uh, into meditation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, though, I saw, uh, I saw what drugs were doing to some other people. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, when you say drugs, uh, different drugs had different effects. I mean, the one that yeah, LSD didn't really. Uh, caused much harm as far as I can see it. I think it helped people. But, uh, you know, some people were smoking pot all the time, and that was a bit of a trip, but mostly that was right. But speed was the one that was really destructive. And I know, and I I lived in a house where uh, um, uh, where the guy who, uh, he wasn't my landlord, but he was the guy who was subletting me a room, 
uh, he had a nine to five job, but he he shot meth every weekend, you know. Ooh, bad. So not every, not every weekend, but uh, he he sort of had it under control to some extent. But you know, I met I met speed freaks. Or at, at least one, and saw what he was like. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, just twitching, terrible, twitching all over. Yeah, so I, it, it, uh, uh, you know, people would come hang out there. They were all friendly, good people. Uh, I liked them, but uh, uh, it's like they were each into a different they were each into a different drug this this guy's friend uh, and i sort of saw okay this one does that this one does that and uh, i i uh, you know i try a little bit of this or that but i uh, realized that it, it was uh, for one thing i was uh, you know going to classes and trying to do get my ma so i i couldn't oh, yeah. really uh, uh, I couldn't get too far into it, and then, uh, and then I just moved uh, to live near Zen Center as soon as I uh, uh, discovered Zen Center. Did you have any classes so, with Steve Gaskin? I went to. He was not uh, uh, teaching at uh, at San Francisco State at that time, but he was giving a Monday night class, he called yeah. it. Uh, it. It was, you know, informal. It wasn't a credit class. And I went to that once, uh, but that was after I was already, uh, uh, you know, quite firmly into Zen and going to Suzuki Roshi's talks. Mm-hmm. And Steve Gaskin showed up at a talk uh, Roshi was giving, and uh, you know somebody said, "Hey, that's Steve Gaskin," you know, and uh, and uh, I'd heard about him, so I went to one of his Monday night classes. It was good. I I thought uh, I had respect for him, and he he also respected Suzuki Roshi. I know. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I wasn't I wasn't tempted to follow uh his group or his uh taking acid or whatever. Yeah. You know, I took acid a few times enough to realize that you know, it could you could have a good experience or a bad experience, uh, but I saw some people who uh shall we say, became mentally destabilized by it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they already had that tendency, but uh, it didn't feel like it, uh, something I wanted to uh, play around with beyond a certain point. Yeah. Um, so, there you are. Um, and... Uh, your story, I can, you know, it's very similar to mine. I came about half a year earlier and had the same experience sometime in the height and acid and grass and stuff. And then getting into going to Zen Center and sitting in the, in the acid and grass falling away. And then, uh, so 
did you get get down to Tassara pretty soon? Uh, actually, that first uh, I, I arrived in the you know February I think sixty uh, seven, and there was all the thing about Tassara, and uh, they were buying it, and uh, oh, it was already the, bought. Well, or is already bought, but yeah, you know, that's true. We were is, no, but we were yeah. still buying it. We were, we'd only in yeah, February yeah. we'd only made the down payment of twenty thousand dollars. Right. I remember the the fundraising was still going on. Oh yeah, heavy. Yeah, 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 and uh, and the excitement about it was going on, and so I uh, signed up for the first month of that summer. The first. Uh, training period, right? And uh, and I wish I had signed up for both months, but I had uh, I had in the meantime gone down to Ethel and and uh, um, managed to uh, uh, line up a, an unpaid uh, assistant position. Mm. There for room and board in the second half of the summer, uh, helping Fritz Perls with his. Uh, he wanted to make a film of his uh, work, and at that point, I was into filmmaking. So, oh, uh, yeah, I I had gone down there and had a really good session with him personally. You know, where they just bunch of people in the audience and he says anybody want to come up here so I volunteered along with several other people and uh, I was impressed by uh, you know the uh, his work uh, and you know it's helpful to me so I went uh, <coughs> to him later and said uh, you know I'm thinking of coming down to this uh, Zen training uh, session but I'm wondering if after that, if you need anybody, uh, I maybe had mentioned this film, if you need anybody to help help edit your film. And I was taking a filmmaking course uh, at the time, so uh, uh, he agreed. Uh, but uh, until I left Tassahara after the first month, and it was very powerful for me, and went to Ethelin, and it was a real letdown. Uh, you know, it was just like people at Ethelin going through all the confusions of uh, uh, samsara, <laughs> mm. and uh, and it turned out Fritz Perls had another assistant who was the one doing the video recording and he wasn't using film he was using videotape and he said and he uh, immediately this other guy looked at me as some kind of competitor you know uh, instead of uh, someone to work with and claimed that since I all my experience was in, in editing film that uh, I wasn't qualified to work with videotape. Uh, and he just pretty much 
ignored me. So there I was hanging out uh, at Ethel and getting uh, room and board, but with really nothing to do except feel uh, the bad vibes from this guy. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. So, so I, uh, you know, I uh, told Fritz, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm out of here. Uh, he wasn't there when I went to his uh, his room to uh, explain to him, so I just left him a note. And uh, I drove down uh, drove down the coast to see uh, the rest of California and went into Mexico a little bit. But it was uh, I didn't really follow up with the kind of uh, intense practice that I should have to keep it going, you know, to keep that Tassajara experience alive. So I feel like I, I, um, you know, I went back to Zen Center and then I knew I had to go back to Tassajara. So in 19. 19- 70 I did mm. until 72 yeah mm. Mm. when you say until 72 were you there in 72 uh, until the spring I don't know if I left before the spring training period or after it but I left well the spring training period in 72 wasn't that done by Katagiri he did the fall ah uh, Yeah, I maybe maybe I left before that, uh, but I remember it being uh, what one was. I don't remember wh- what the dates were of when uh, the training periods went. Oh well, it started about January fifteenth uh, and ended about April fifteenth. Oh yeah, I, I I went to that because when I left it was uh, it was spring. I mean, I I wasn't the only reason I wasn't sure was I just remember Katagiri had been there for some other training periods or some other well, at the time. I remember him yeah. being around a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was there the in seventy when you were there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he went there every. Yeah, he translated for. Tatsugami in 70, a very painful experience for him. Uh, right. And I, re- I remember when I came, uh, Tatsuga- Tatsugami, I, I came, I arrived in time for the last half of the Sandokai teachings. And then I think it was Tatsugami after that, wasn't it? In the fall of 70? Yeah, but. But Tatsugami did the spring practice period of 70, and he did the fall of 70. And Suzuki uh, gave the Sandokai lectures in the summer of 70. In the summer, yeah. I got there in August while he was giving the Sandokai lectures. I got Ah. the last part of that, and then stayed for Tatsugami Mm. uh, in the fall of 70 and then uh, stayed 
or, you know, going back for Christmas and everything, but stayed through 71 and then left uh, in the spring. It must have been in in April after that training period in the spring of 72. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back to when you arrived at Zen Center um, in, in February of 19... 19- 67. Um, what what was your experience of arriving in Zen Center? Well, I uh, right from the start, I felt like, uh, hey, uh, you know, the first time I sat, uh, uh, actually, uh, Suzuki Roshi wasn't there, but Dick Baker was there, and uh, he uh, yeah came over to me. He came over to and said hello. He noticed me as a new student, and he said uh, something like, uh, "How was that for you?" And and uh, I said, uh, "I could do, keep doing this for the rest of my life." Because that, that's how I felt. Mm. Uh, I felt, and that doesn't mean that I had some big experience. It's just that I, uh, my after sitting with all these unrushing thoughts going by, by the end of the session, my mind was clearer. And uh, I thought, well, this is, this works. I can do this. I don't have to take drugs, and, uh, uh, you know, this is uh, 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 a four. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, what happened? Uh, did uh, what, uh, At some point, I'm sure you ran into uh, Suzuki Roshi. <laughs> Oh yeah, right, <laughs> right. Uh, well, he was he was there in the mornings uh, for uh, uh, morning zaza, and I was like, uh, I was living over on Church Street uh, on the other side of Market, and uh, I had a bicycle, and I was. Bicycling, getting up at something like four in the morning and bicycling over to Zen Center to sit in the morning. This is before I uh, moved over there. Oh um, yeah, it was it was uh, two and a half years before. Two and a half years before moving to Page Street. Oh, before more than two Zen and a half, moved. two and three quarters years from February. Yeah, yeah, but it was but it was before I moved to Bush Street. Oh, it's, oh, I, I see. I had been living I had been living on Church Street, hmm. uh, just uh, looking out over uh, uh, what's the name of that park? Uh, uh, anyway. The um, one with the mission. In Dolores? Uh, Dolores Park, yeah. 
looking on Church Street, looking over Dolores Park. Oh, yeah, that's a nice ride over to the... Oh, wow, that's yeah. That's nice. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'd ride, you know, over the hills to get to uh, uh, Zen Center. And so I lived uh, in a couple different, you know, shared housing uh, Zen households on Bush Street. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and for a while over on, uh, over more towards Haight-Ashbury for a while. Uh, and then when Zen Center moved to Page Street, I, uh, I lived right on the corner of Page and Laguna, those Victorians there. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the other corner from where the little shop was. Um, uh, I forgot the number, but it was the second one downhill from the one that was right on the corner. So I could, you know, I could see Zen Center from my front doorstep. Um was is that where William Shaw was living? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go back to to when you first arrived. Uh, what's your first memory of uh, of? Uh, I mean, you must have met uh, Suzuki Roshi at some point, or heard him speak yes. or something. Oh well, yeah, sure. Uh, well. Uh, my first uh, impressions were uh, uh, his talks that he would give. This is in that small little zendo upstairs. Uh, yeah. In the eaves up there. Yeah. Um, and I remember uh, uh, he gave a talk uh, and I remember I asked him the question, does uh, does Buddhism say you should enjoy life? Because I guess that was one of my concerns, uh, because everything looked so regimented <laughs> to me <laughs> at first, you know. Uh, so I asked, does Buddhism say you should enjoy life? And he uh, he. Uh, said, uh, you know, he looked right at me and he said, uh, uh, the Buddha said, uh, you should enjoy life the way a bee takes nectar from a flower, gently, without harming anything. Ooh, boy, that's good. And I was just, you know... That that was so perfect, you know. It answered my question. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, I remember filing out of the zendo through Roshi's office. We would each bow to him, and he would bow to us. You know, right. Saying bow as we'd go out through his office, 
uh, at the end of the session. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I noticed that uh, he would not meet my gaze when we did that. Uh, and uh, uh, I figured out that uh, for him to meet your gaze at that point meant something, you know. So there were just little things like that. And uh, other other incidents, uh, uh, I remember being late uh, and sitting on the on the row of Zafus up in the uh, you know outside the door guide time up the, yeah uh, up in the eaves in the big uh, auditorium there in the balcony and of the, the auditorium the balcony yeah in the balcony yeah uh, and uh, uh, and I'm sitting there and Roshi came by uh You know, behind us, you know, like this in early in the sitting, he just walks, kind of checking everybody walking behind, and um, and I suddenly heard behind me, Kasho, and yeah, you know, not yelling but loud and intense uh uh it's, it's sort of like a a loud whisper <laughs> you know uh uh and i peeked around just, just to make sure he wasn't talking to me because i was got showing uh and i saw that uh there was uh this new student who didn't know you were supposed to go show or even what a go show was. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, and I saw Suzuki Roshi had knelt down beside him, realizing the situation. And, uh, and, uh, and he said, I'm sorry. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah, so there were just little things like that that I really, uh, uh, you know, felt he had compassion and, as well as wisdom. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember other people would experience that. They'd come to Sin Center. He'd be doing the morning Jundo, the morning walk around to greet everybody. And some yeah, people right. wouldn't know that you're supposed to put your hands together in gasho as he passes. And he'd say gasho, and they wouldn't know what it meant. Right. And, exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what this was. But that's nice. Um, there he said, I'm sorry. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that another uh, thing that happened when I was, 
late and sitting uh, up there in the balcony was just suddenly, right in the middle of the zazen, was this huge blast of organ sound, you know, like, uh, there's no way I can, you know how loud an organ can get. Yeah. Uh, and it was like right coming from pipes right <laughs> right behind me, you know, because that's where the pipes are for that organ, uh, which the organ is downstairs, but the pipes are right up there. And uh, well, Where were the pipes? So up in the balcony. Uh-huh, I forgot. The organ pipes were up there. Yeah, or or close to, yeah, somewhere up there, because uh, uh, it was loud, and uh, it only happened that once, because uh, the organist apparently decided to practice at that time and didn't realize we were uh, meditating oh. up there. It might have been an afternoon, Sarsen. I'm not... I'm not sure. You mean uh, a 530? More, more, uh, yeah, it, it would have been a 530. Than more likely then. And and the organist had just uh, uh, you know, started off with this blast, but it, it was, uh, you know, uh, it was like, wake up. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's terrific. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Please continue. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm. Uh, Do you, you remember you anything? Coming, Go on. Come. Well, what would you, what would you like to hear? Uh, uh, hear about. Uh, what was your experience at Tassahara? What was Tassahara like for you? Do you remember any particular experience or anything that sticks out? Well, actually, uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, anyone wanting more detail can, can uh, check out the, uh, the 18 pages on Coop.com. But Tassahara uh, was hard for me because I was uh, uh, I was resistant to uh, too much regimentation organization. Difficult. That first uh, month, uh, you know, on the one hand, uh, it was great to say things so much and hear that he was giving lectures, and I'm not sure. Uh, I remember after a about halfway through, after about two weeks, 
the first two weeks of the Tassahara schedule, uh, I went to Dick Baker. You know, I, I, uh, went to him before and he seemed to be, uh, you know, he was a head, uh, student. And I said, uh, to the effect, look, this is really great, but I'm going bananas, uh, by this schedule. And, uh, uh, I, I just, I, I just need a break. Uh, and uh, I'd like to just, like, drive over to Monterey for a couple of days, and then I'll come back. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that, that was the fantasy that had come up in my mind. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he, he said, well, Zen is not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, I'll stop. So uh, I did, you know, and uh, that was just a anisophobia. That was just, uh, you're you're breaking up on that end a little bit. Uh, that, that happens sometimes. Oh. It'll pass. You said, uh, so... So, uh, Dick came up to you. No, you went up to him and said, this is a bit much. I'd like a couple of days off. Um, go out to Monterey. And he said, Zen's not for everyone, <laughs> I guess. And, and then what? <laughs> and then I decided to stay. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah, it was, it's like, uh, okay, I sort of put it down, you know. Well, some people, the way I took it was, well, some people just aren't up to, you know, do it. And and so I, I took it, you know, whoa, you know, <laughs> I took it as a challenge. Uh, yeah. Good. So I, I kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember that uh, being allowed. However... Uh, you know, people would, uh, uh, like, like people learned that you, you wouldn't be questioned if you said you had to go to the doctor. And, uh, uh and, uh, so like my first wife, uh, Diane Goldschlag, back then, Diane. Oh, now, I remember her. Yeah. yeah. She, she and Margaret had to go to the doctor. I remember her too. Yeah. Yeah. And they just went out and played all day in Monterey and came back late. <laughs> well, any other memories of that first practice period? That's a long time ago, I know. Well, I remember uh, uh, when I got there, I had hair down to my shoulders. And yeah, I remember, I remember standing, talking with some other guys who also had long hair and uh, we were talking about uh, that Suzuki Roshi had said we needed to uh, cut our hair at least two fingers, you know, two, something like that. Uh-huh. Not, 
not lengthwise, but widthwise, uh, at least that short. Wait a minute. And How, not lengthwise. Not the length of a finger. Oh yeah, uh, but the width I, I'm of a thinking finger. of the hair. So yeah, yeah, uh, right, yeah, yeah. The right, widthwise, about the an width, inch. The width of the width, right, yeah, the width is two fingers. Yeah, so we were uh, standing around and talking about this, uh, you know, because we were going to all have to cut our hair off, uh, and uh, uh, we just sort of said, well, you know, what the hell, let's just shave our heads. You know, uh, let's, let's go for it, you know. Yeah. And so we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, quite a few people did, actually. Um, yeah, it became the style, you know. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, most of us did. You know, when Tatsugami came in, he said, why are all the men, why do all the men have shaved heads? Oh, that's, you know, because he said, no, only monks shave their heads. So, okay, yeah, right. Uh, so then it changed. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, hmm. And you remember Kobuchino was there. Oh, yeah. He was, he was wonderful. I really liked him. And that was so sad to hear uh, that he had died. But tragic, the tra tragic. Trying the to save his daughter uh, <laughs> when he didn't know how to swim himself. You know, I mean, what a bodhisattva. Yeah, I, I yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Maizumi uh, was uh, helping to lead that practice period, or he was. He was uh, he was a priest there for uh, the first uh you know that summer was the only time we had a practice period in the summer and it was yeah. just getting yeah. going you know and they couldn't wait and uh didn't know better and uh, um so it was divided into two one month sessions and like you said and the first one Maizumi was there do you remember him no, I don't. Hmm. Uh, why do I not remember him? Maybe. Uh, well, uh, he was there that he, first he, month, but he wasn't. He, he wasn't the teacher. You know. Oh, he wasn't the teacher. That's he probably did. why. I, yeah. He, he. I think he. He gave. He. He gave a talk or two, and you know, he was sitting up on the altar. He's one of the transmitted monks up there. Him and Kobun. I guess that's it. Yeah. Katagiri was in the city. Suzuki was there. Uh, yeah. Well, I remember Coben, Coben very well and, uh, because I also uh, uh, remember him in the city. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was uh, when that was, but uh, uh, he was... Uh, uh, you know, he just, he had this openness and graciousness and, uh, 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 just, you could just connect with him somehow emotionally. Yes, that's true. Yeah. It, it's but true. I, and I'm not sure 
I'm not sure why I don't remember my Zoomy, but it might have been just that uh, I could only uh, take in so many uh, monks at once. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, um, if if Coben was in the city, he was just visiting. I don't ever remember yeah. him living in yeah. the city. He was either at Tassajara yeah. and then later at Los Altos. Yeah, I just remember talking to him uh, uh-huh. on the street, on the street, on yeah. the street. So it, it was probably when he came to visit. Yeah, yeah, I can I can remember two things right now with him in this city. I ran into him. Bob Halpin and I had gone to talk to uh, Suzuki, who'd been ill, and you know he'd had one of these flus, and nobody'd seen him. And so we barged in and. Uh, and uh, asked him, um, you know, how's he doing? And I, I think he'd been ill. Anyway, we went over there to see him. Uh, and um, uh, so, you know, he welcomed us and made us tea and said he had some exciting news. And we said, what? That He said, I'm going to Japan and I'm going to give Richard Baker transmission and then you'll have an American teacher. And uh, Bob said, Suzuki Rose, you you if you give Dick transmission, everybody's going to think you've gone crazy. <laughs> and he said, No, that no, like, that sounds like Bob Halford. <laughs> right? He said, No, 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 no. Yeah. And I said, Well, what does that mean? Like he's completely enlightened? He said, No, no, it means he has a good understanding and a full commitment. And so, yeah, I. I remember when we left, I was down on the street, maybe not them, but Coben was in town and ran into him. And of course, I'm, you know, I went up to him, hey, Coben, guess what? Suzuki Roshi's going to give Dick Baker transmission. And Coben reacted like it, 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 it a character in a horror movie, you know, oh, reeling no. back, going, no, no, maybe Dick, <laughs> maybe, no, maybe Philip, maybe Philip. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I told that yeah. in Crooked Cucumber, and Dick said, "Well, you know, that sort of hurts my feelings." And and I also had in there. I told Diane, and she says, "What? He's the he's the most egotistical, upside uptight, least enlightened person in Zen Center." And he said, "You know, that sort of hurts my feelings." Saying that, I said, "Well." It just shows you were uh, you had your critics uh, uh, well before yeah. you were his Dharma heir uh, and became uh, Baker Roshi, uh, and yeah. well, he, he accepted uh, you uh, <laughs> more than accepted yeah, him. Yeah, and he also he also uh, uh, to use a kinder word had a lot of self confidence. Uh, yeah. That he could just uh, walk in to, and I'm just fantasizing this, walk into a uh, room full of rich people and convince them to give money, you know, like uh, 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 maybe not a room full, full, but one at a time, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, 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 uh, he, uh, he was 
uh, you know, regardless of who was more enlightened or less enlightened, he uh, he had the ability to uh, uh, really uh, get it going. You know, yeah, get it going. Going more than raise and, money. And get it. Yeah, get it. Yeah, get it growing. Get it going. Get it growing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe some of that was a little bit uh, grandiose, and maybe it was too grandiose. You know, because could it really maintain that uh, growth rate? That, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, you know, I I understand the criti- the criticisms of him and uh i i uh, didn't take him as my personal teacher after suzuki roshi passed away uh but i always felt uh i would say g- grateful to him that uh he uh you know, when I was a new student, he was uh, open to me. You know, it, it wasn't he wasn't like stuck up in the kind of way that uh, you're a new person, you don't exist. You right. Know? Uh, he was very much, uh, you know, wanted to engage. Uh, yeah, that's not with me. And yeah. and uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, I think. At least in the beginning, I think he was uh, good for the event center, but then maybe it reached a point where uh, uh, he was, I don't want to make any criticism directly, but um, that the way it evolved, uh, uh, he eventually had to step down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He didn't have to. Uh, he just wouldn't accept the conditions that were uh, had moved. Okay. It had moved to a place that he couldn't accept. Uh, and I I wasn't there at all during that. So yeah, I was only there. I left in '73 uh, uh-huh. and went to Boulder. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I want to hear about that. I want to oh, say yeah. one more thing about Dick, though. Is that yeah? There was a line people would say back then about him. And they would say later, uh, like I would hear, oh, he's like a, a good businessman. Or they'd say, well, he was, he was a good manager, you know, but he wasn't a, a, like a teacher. He was the person who could, who could make, uh, you know, like you said, and this is true. But, and I'd say, no, he's not a businessman. He's not a good businessman. He's not a good manager. He'd say, uh, like, uh, 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 he's like uh, a, a visionary, creative artist um, to get things yeah. going, you know. Yeah, uh, and I he agree could with see that. things, yeah. and he yeah. and he he saw that Zen Center needed a certain form uh, to for Suzuki Roshi's teaching to be able to continue, and uh, he. He uh, created it, you know, it only worked because of all of us were there. Uh, and, well, uh, the, but the only, yeah. Yeah. 
the only way uh, you might say he was a good businessman is as an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, uh, having the vision and getting a startup going and getting the investors to, uh, you know, yeah. fund yeah. it. Uh, but not the kind of businessman who later uh, uh, runs it. But right. In the initial stage, right. In the initial stages, the entrepreneur who starts it up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in '73, you headed out to Boulder. Right. How did that come about? Well, well that. When uh, Trungpa Rinpoche came to San Francisco in 70, I was, uh, that was just before I, well, that was June, and then I went to Tassajara in, I think, early August or something, went back to Tassajara. So I went to hear him speak at some auditorium or church I don't know where it was I think it was in Berkeley and uh, uh, I just was blown away by uh, you know uh, just this his spiritual presence uh, you know not just not only his sense of humor and, and all uh, those things but just it was like getting high on acid just to be around him or something like that. You know, mm. that's what it felt like to me. Uh, I, 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 I shouldn't say acid because, because it was different. It wasn't, uh, a druggy thing. It was just more the presence of nowness was so intense, uh, that he radiated something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, and this is 72 and Roshi had recently passed away. And even though, uh, you know, I, I felt, uh, in one way I, I, uh, was okay with Dick Baker as uh, the, the person who welcomed me into Zen Center, but I didn't want to him to be my teacher, you know. So uh, there was Trungpa. Uh, oh no, that was this is before Suzuki Roshi died, uh, died that I first met Trungpa. But uh, okay, so then after Roshi died, then. Uh, Trungpa was the one that I felt uh, most drawn to in terms of, uh, you know, transmitting uh, something to me spiritually. And uh, uh, so, uh, so then... I went after I went back to 
after I went to Tassajara. So my first reaction was, I need to go to Tassajara again <clears throat> to strengthen my practice. So I and I already had planned to do that. Uh, and then I met Trungpa, and so I just thought, well, maybe eventually I'll I'll go to Boulder. And so I went to Tassajara for about a year and two-thirds, and then uh, left Tassajara and went to Boulder. Mm. After uh, having some uh, wonderful experiences with Tatsugami Roshi. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You like Tatsugami? <laughs> I you know, uh, to me, he was, uh, as I say in my <laughs> memoir, he, you know, he was like sitting bull or something <laughs> and had a face like crushed rock. In fact, he was this physical, uh, strong presence that was sort of, and, and very, you know, authoritative. Uh, and uh, he was the perfect target for my anti-authority projections. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but at the same time, I kind of liked him because I knew I was never not going to be a student. But I sort of liked. Uh, well, you know. Uh, here I am actually dealing with, uh, whereas, whereas Suzuki Roshi, uh, I couldn't really project my uh, anti-authority stuff with him because he was too compassionate. <laughs> I loved him too much. I couldn't, but with Tatsugami, I could really, uh, you know, uh, 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 feel like I was dancing with it, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you want to know uh, anything that happened, but... Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, this is just... Uh, this is not in my memoir. Oh, uh, good. But uh, it's confidential to you and whoever is listening to this podcast. <laughs> right, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, Ruvain and I were the Doans, uh, playing the, uh, Makugyo drum and the bells and so forth, uh, for the chants. Uh, and I, I'm not sure this was, uh, it was one of those training periods where Tatsugami was there. I'm not sure which one. But uh-huh. uh, Tatsugami Roshi kept uh, looking at us and indicating that we should speed up the, uh, the Makugyo, you know, like during the Heart Sutra, you know, you know go faster, you know, like gesture or whatever for us to go faster and and we sort of didn't like that because we were used to doing it at a certain rate that we've been doing for years <laughs> you know with Suzuki Roshi 
as our guide, uh, and uh, he wanted, to, and it sort of symbolized, you know, he's telling us to do, to go faster, okay? So we uh, decided, okay, we'll, uh, we'll do it faster, and uh, we'll do it really faster. And so, uh, uh, you know, we're going along, uh, hitting the Bakugyo, and then we start speeding up and speeding up and speeding up really fast so that people were not able to keep up. With the <laughs> <laughs> and Tatsugami turned and he gave us this dirty look. <laughs> and so that was, that was our, our, you know, I mean, I, it, it was our anti-authoritarian rebellion. Uh, yeah, well, done, good for you. You know, yeah. Well, uh, now, who was the Kokyo, the one that leads the chanting? Uh, I can't remember. Okay, because Tatsugami uh, uh, Tatsugami taught yeah. that the Kokyo sets the pace. And that the mokugyo and the bells follow the kokyo, so you well, really, whatever. You, you really I were. Maybe, I I don't know who who uh, my memory now is just Ruvain and I. Maybe he was the kokyo. I don't know. Oh, because uh, I think I was doing the mokugyo. Oh, you were on the uh, mokugyo. So I think uh, I would so, say Ruvain I, was probably the kokyo. Leading Probably, the chanting, we and were, that you two conspired to that, make it that, go so fast we, that it would be like a train yes, wreck. Yes. Well, good for you. Yes, that, that, that's it. Was we did conspire, and so he must have been the Kokyo. Because <laughs> all I remember is, is banging the Mokyo faster and faster. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, in the one way, it's a, it's a. Uh, it's kind of a teenage thing to do, but, uh, you know, get back at the teacher or something, you know, uh, which is probably why I didn't put it in print. Oh, but, you know, uh, on the other hand, I like uh, it. It did symbolize, <laughs> it, it did symbolize, uh, uh, how we felt about, uh, uh, the more authoritarian presence of uh, of Tatagami Roshi. Yeah. Now your your memoir, you said it's forty six pages. Uh, sort of covered the Zen stuff. Uh, no, uh, no, 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 no. The forty six pages is the Kathmandu trip. Oh, oh. All right. Pardon. Now. Then there's 18 pages on cute.com. Is that the Zen part? That's the Zen part. It's not everything of the Zen part, uh, but it's what I wanted to, at that point, you know, what I wanted to put out there. Well, do you want to, we could do another podcast and and you could read it. Oh, okay. Uh, 18 pages. Yeah, I could probably read that. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's nothing. That's we're 
We're over yeah. two hours now. You're going to read 18 pages. <laughs> oh, we are? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So we probably reached the limit for tonight. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, or uh, put it, let's put it this way. I, I'll, I would, I'll read what I, I would at this point like to read. Yeah, absolutely. Your include some things, but not uh, some things that aren't there. I don't know. I, I'd like to put it have together. That put yeah, it together, yeah, and yeah. and let's let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Uh, let's see. What is today? Friday. Let's do it next week while we're, we're fresh. Uh, yeah, I think that's a little too soon for me. Let me look at my calendar. All right, you, you just tell second. me. Yeah. I'm here. I'm not going away. Well, I don't know if I'm not going okay. away. Like Dogen says, uh, there's no power on heaven or earth that can assure you will be alive in the next minute or something like that. I could do Wednesday. Wednesday is, that's Thursday here. I think that's all right. Wednesday here, there's no internet because it's the oh. it's the day the island goes dark. That happens once a year. I wanted to hear more about your experience with Trungpa, how long that lasted, and what you've been doing with your life. What was your profession? You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can tell you, I taught uh, freshman composition for twenty years. Oh. At, uh, where? At St. Mary's College, a, a small college uh, Catholic school uh, in Moraga on the other side of the Berkeley Hills. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started out part-time and uh, eventually uh, got full-time, but non- non-tenure. I didn't get tenure track. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, I I only had an MA and uh, you know those PhDs uh, are the ones who run the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know it's it's I've suffered greatly because I never <laughs> I never even made it partly out of being a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, that kind of hierarchy it goes up, the, goes up the whole ladder in our uh, society. Yeah. And, yeah. And how was um, how was it with uh, uh, Trunkpa and that group? How how long were you there? I was there from seventy three to seventy nine. Uh huh. That's yeah. uh, six. Six years, and uh, I went to one of their, they call it seminary. Right. Uh, How like was a, that? Like a training period. That was good, uh, but uh, uh, I had some uh, difficulties, which I can go into later. All right. Let's uh, talk about it uh, yeah. uh, next week. Not uh, not with Trunkpa, really, but with the uh, just the way the organization was. Yeah, well, yeah. organizations tend to be a problem. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I just had one. I just had one question. Uh, yeah, um, you mentioned Bob Halpern. Uh, 
I had heard that he became a student of, of Trungpa Rinpoche, but when I went out there, I never saw him. And so I wondered what happened with him. He was very close or, to Trungpa. He was like, he was like Trungpa's, you know, one of the closest people to him. Um, and, um, but what, what period? What time? Oh, he went out before you. He, he went out while in 70, uh, or 71. Uh, and, yeah. and, um, uh, uh, he, yeah, he got on the Vajra Garden. He was doing a lot of business, but, uh, you know, people doing business there had, uh, high status in the group. There was a lot of, if you were yeah. making a lot of money, you had higher status. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Don't you agree? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, maybe he was, uh, part of the inner circle, uh, which, uh, uh, I never, uh, managed to, uh, get into while I yeah. was there. I was, uh, I was uh, I lived in Marpa House, which was this, uh, um, you know, it used to be a, a fraternity house. For oh yeah, Allen Ginsberg lived there at one point, didn't he? Uh, well, I remember. I don't know if he he didn't live there while I was there, but he gave reading uh, a reading, and uh, I. Uh, uh, you know, Naropa had, uh, uh, I took a, a course with William Burroughs, you know. Uh, That's neat. Um, yeah, uh, Ginsburg I already knew from, from, uh, uh, I'd run into before at poetry readings on the East Coast. So, um, uh, anyway, I, I was happy to be around those guys. Uh, but, uh, uh we were uh sort of more or less the people in Marpa House was more or less ignored by the inner circle <laughs> around Trungpa Rinpoche. Uh so oh. but I'm surprised that I'm surprised that I remember asking about Bob Halpern, but they people said, Well, he's off somewhere doing well, business. So that yeah. yeah, he did do a lot of that, yeah. but like I can remember going out and staying with him, and him not having any time for me because he had to do this and that for Rinpoche and uh, yeah, yeah, and and you when know did he you go out there. He ended up going to Japan. Uh, one thing oh. he was doing for the group, he was going to Nepal, India to get stuff to do stuff for Trungpa. He went to Japan and got Oriokis. Uh, you know, I think he uh, might have been involved okay. with getting Zafus or Kapok or Yeah, yeah, that's that explains it. You know, he was he was doing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh yeah, anyway, uh, and uh he 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 was in Japan a number of years, like seven years or something, and then uh or eight years. And then I saw him it uh you know, I'm, he was in Japan when I was. I saw him some, uh, and uh, but we had very different lives. And he was in Kyoto, and I was down in Okayama. And I had he was very busy running a language school, and I, and I had other friends in Kyoto when I went there. Wow. But uh, he ended up uh, 
uh, he, he's in uh, Nova Scotia. He's been there for oh. many years. Halifax. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Halifax. Yeah, yeah they, they moved. That was uh, later that they moved to Halifax. Yeah. So did you go to did you go to Boulder to visit him during what years? Oh, I can't remember. I was there. You know, I'd go to Texas to see my family, see my mother. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, like maybe for holidays. I'd drive out there and I'd stop. Sometimes I'd be in Boulder. For, I, I can remember being there for a couple of weeks at a time. Uh, maybe. Maybe that was just once, but I'd, I'd be there for a while and I can remember seeing Trunkba and seeing Ursula Tensing and Alan Marlowe, uh, through a party for me. I, and, you know, Alan Marlowe was uh, the most, uh, the most responsive people to me. The people were so busy yeah. were, uh, Alan Marlowe and, uh, Jack Elias. Uh, Jack Elias. Yeah. Well, what year was that? I don't you know. know. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, and, I would say, all right, I would say I started, I don't think I went to Boulder before 1976 or 7, then into, uh, you know, so the, the late 70s, the early 80s. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sorry I missed you. Uh, you know, um, you know, I might have been on, uh, a retreat or something, uh, when you were there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, uh, I mean, Bob, you know, I'd see Bob, I'd even stay with Bob and Abby, uh, but he'd be busy. He'd be either busy yeah. and busy with bidding and Nils uh home was out there with him some. Uh and uh he uh or he'd be busy with uh, you know, uh the what was it called then? Uh not, it wasn't called Shambhal, it was called uh uh before Vajradatu. Vajradatu a business for them. Um yeah. <clears throat> and I, I went I went and saw Alan. And Alan goes, Oh, you're in town. Let's have a party. And he just gets on the phone and like there's a party and there's like 20 people from Zen Center, you know, there's yeah, all these yeah. people I know. Uh, yeah. Well, Loring went out there, didn't he? Oh, I'd see Loring. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, you know, different people, but, uh, yeah, I was tripping Boulder. Uh, Trungpa wanted me to come to a seminary, and I've always sort of regretted I did it because it would have been an experience. But it just well, it wasn't my trip, you know. I'm already indulgent enough. I didn't need to be encouraged. Uh, uh, I like, I like, you know, when I was living with a woman uh, in uh, Bolinas and, uh, you know, uh, I had a son there, and so I didn't go. But the the whole scene in Boulder, it was just a bit. It was better for me to visit. I I, I don't think it, I, I don't think it would have worked for me to be there longer. Well, anyways, uh, we can uh, 
continue next week. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, before we uh, sign off, I I want to thank you for uh, writing Crooked Cucumber and continuing with the website uh, because, uh, you know, it's really a way of keeping Suzuki Roshi's spirit and teachings alive uh, in this world where everything gets, uh, you know, changed so fast. Yeah, um, lack of continuity. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... Yeah, I'm really, uh, it's really great that you're doing that. And uh, Well, thank you. It's uh, just yeah. doing my bit, but you're doing yours. Uh, and we're going to hear more about it uh, next week. Okay. Good. All right. Well, it's funny. Uh, great talking with you. Ha, you said you didn't see how you could go longer than an hour. I went, ha, ha, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got me going, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have done podcasts you, with yeah. people in their eighties. Uh, you, you are eighty. When's your birthday? No, my birthday's in May. I'm so, still seventy-nine. Uh huh. Well, very good. But uh, coming up toward it. So I have done yeah. a few with people that, that say, "Well, they're getting tired now. They need to go to bed or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes I feel that way, but then, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Other times, I, I it turns out I have more energy than I realized. Yeah, I force myself yeah. to to walk and do things. Sometimes when I, I feel sort of tired and uh, yeah. I don't really want to do it. But overall, I feel so much better if I'm active and, and my oh, brain yeah. works better, too. Sure, I'm... I'm now uh, uh, taking, uh, uh, we have a dog, uh, and I'm taking the dog for a walk every morning for oh, that's good. half an hour. So that's, that's good. That's good, yeah. So I get some exercise, too. Yeah, yeah. Ah, all right. Well, a pleasure okay. speaking with you, and take care. Okay. Did you get the, the other picture I sent today? Oh, I, you know, I haven't even looked. At, uh, okay. Email. A, I, I, I got send, up at four yeah. fifteen this no, morning. Yeah. And no problem. Just I, yeah. I, I did send. I sent. I found a picture from Mia Tassahara. Oh, that's great. I look kind of. That's great. I look kind of serious, but uh, that's the only one I could find. Yeah. Yeah. I got up at four fifteen, and. You know, it takes me uh, an hour and a half, two hours before I get to my computer because I meditate and walk and stuff. Yeah, sure. And, sure. and then I, I'm, I'm trying to work on a book called Tassara Stories. And yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah. And, and if I, so I decided to work on it first because a lot of days, if I don't start with it, I don't get to it all. It was just one thing after another happens. Right, you right. know. Uh, so that's all I've done, and I haven't looked at email. All right, I will. Uh, thanks. Okay. You sent one of them. Good, good. Well, listen, so, uh, this podcast won't go up for over, you know, two three months. I'm I'm way ahead in no talking problem. to people. <laughs>
problem. Uh, it, with the exception of uh, if somebody has a book that's out they want to talk about, I'll, I'll put them ahead, you know. Yeah. Or something sure. like that. Okay. Well, very good, yeah. Chris. Take okay. care. Okay. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Uh, All right. 7 p.m. on uh, your on on my Wednesday and your Thursday morning. Yeah, Thursday 10 a.m. here. Yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is nice time. All right. Okay. Ta- take, take care. Take care. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. So thanks a lot, Chris. I uh, really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, now, as it says. Uh, next week, we will have you reading that uh, uh, part of your book, uh, Searching for the Path Within, from poetry to Zen in the 60s. Oh, uh, one thing I should say is the uh, it's not that he doesn't use himself as the, he has a pen name. Uh, it's Christopher Lennox, L-E-N-N-O-X. Uh, so, um, uh, so next week he'll be reading, uh, a modified version of, uh, what's from that book in, um, about his, uh, experience, uh, in the world of Zen. I'm probably more in the world of Zen Center because the world of Zen, I'd, I'd hate to define what that is. <laughs> okay. So this has been a Cuke Audio podcast. I'm DC Poobov, Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Sanur with Doggett Bandita, guest Doggett Boom Boo. The dog you hear barking is neither of them. It's the neighbor's dog, and it never barks very long. And dear, lovely Katrinka, we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. Mm-hmm.